The Lord gives whatever is asked from him. This is the Bhajan Jomange Takurapanete on page 174. He has spread his power in the four directions and has put his hand on my head. Looking with gracious eyes, he has removed the pain of his servant. Master, who is the Lord, protects his people himself, removing all the bad qualities. The compassionate and forgiving one embraces me. The Lord gives whatever is asked from him. Whatever Nanak the servant speaks from his mouth becomes true here and hereafter. This is a bhajan of Guru Arjan Dev on page 174. Yeah, Purak 
from him. Our next bhajan is on page 123, Chuta Sansara. The world is false, life is destitute. Come, Kripalji, we wait for you, we wait for you. Oh, my giver, we are the sinners. Do not look through our papers. The boat is adrift, take it across. Come, beloved, listen to the request, listen to the request. True is your love, we have only your support. We are the dirty ones, clean us, clean us. The soul has to do your darshan, but she is embarrassed. O oh, giver, you forgive. You are the forgiver, you are the forgiver. This is the call of a jabe. The heartstring is resounding. The world is false. Life is destitute. Come, Kripalji. We wait for you. We wait for you. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 123. <laughs> Ao kire palji teri intazar hai teri intazar hai 
जुड़ता संसार है जिंदगी लचार है आओ किरपाल जी थेरी इंतजार है तेरी इंतजार है मेरे दाता जी गुनगारे आसी सादे खागजना फोल वे खागजना फोल वे मेरे दाता जी गुनगारे आसी सादे खागजना फोल वे खागजना फोल वे बेदी मंजदार है खार दे फार है आओ किरपाल जी थेरी इंतजार है थेरी इंतजार है जुदा संसार है जिंदगी लचार है आओ किरपाल जी तेरी इंतजार है तेरी इंतजार है आओ पियारे सुना लो बेनती सुना लो बेनती आओ पियारे तेरा प्यार है तेरा ही आधार है आओ किरपाल जी थेरी इंतजार है थेरी इंतजार है जुदा संसार है जिंदगी लचार है आओ किरपाल जी तेरी इंतजार है तेरी इंतजार है असी हामेले सनू जल खार दे जल खार दे असी हामेलेू जल कार दे जल खार दे खार नदीदार है रूह शारम सार है आओ किरपाल जी थेरी इंतजार है थेरी इंतजार है जुटा संसार है जिंदगी लचार है आओ किरपाल जी थेरी इंतजार है तेरी इंतजार 
बाकशोदाता जी तुसी बाकशिंद हो तुसी बाकशिंद हो तुसी बाकशोदाता जी तुसी बाकशिंद हो तुसी बाकशिंद हो अजायब दीपुखार है खादकरा ही तार है आओ खेरे पाल जी थेरी इंतजार है थेरी इंतजार है जूता सांसार है जिंदा गीला चार giver you forgive you are the forgiver you are the forgiver this is the call of a jabe the heartstring is resounding the world is false life is destitute come kripalji we wait for you we wait for you the next class world religions class or whatever you want to call it will be uh December 18th i want to begin today by reading a morning talk from master kripal which at first glance would seem to be contradicted by the first verse of the bhajan that we just sang but i would point out that both are true and that it all depends the bhajan is written from the point of view of the disciple who is needy and this morning talk is written from the point of view of what the reality is when we can rise above that now this is morning talk number 21 what the principles are of bhakti or devotion bhakti of course is the standard sanskrit term for loving devotion bhakti yoga is a one of the classic methods of rising above and shabad yoga is to a great extent psychologically uh, uh, you can understand it as a form of bhakti yoga it's actually more than that and it's more correct to say that bhakti yoga is a form of shabad yoga But anyway master says i was just speaking about devotion real bhakti the first principle the basic principle and i would say the grandest of all is to know that god is everywhere we are living in him and he is in us we live and have our being in him like fish in the river the fish lives in the water its whole life depends on water it lives in water it lives on water from whence it gets its food when god wished i am one and wish to be many the whole universe emanated came into being the whole world is an expression a manifestation of god 
Where is that place where he is not? We are in him. He is in us and is our controlling power. All ensouled bodies are the drops of the ocean of all consciousness. When we know this, all is beautiful. God is beautiful, and any world made by him, manifested by him, is also beautiful. Beauty comes out of beauty, not from ugliness. Anything that appears to be ugly in the world is the result of the spectacles that we are wearing. If the glass of the spectacles is smoky, you will see all smoke. If it is red, everything will appear red. If it is black, everything will appear black. Well, the world is not black, red, or smoky, mind that. So we have to change the trend of our mind, of our heart. The first principle that we have to abide by is to know that he is everywhere. We are in him and he is in us. When you know this, you will just pay respect to everybody. They are all manifested in the human body. When we know that he is everywhere and that he knows everything of our heart, how can we do anything that is not good or commit a sin? Our master used to say, when a child of five years is sitting by you, you will never dare to do anything which is wrong. When you have the viewpoint that he is within me, he is outside me, I am in him, how can you perpetrate anything? Can you? This is the sum and substance, the basic principle. If you abide by it, everything will follow of itself. The world will be beautiful. Beauty comes out of beauty. If the world appears to be ugly or not beautiful, that is the result of the spectacles that you are wearing. If you will cast out evil thoughts about others, all are friendly. If somebody has played any hell against us, we simply retaliate. We harbor those very thoughts within us. Saints have been coming to the world and the people have been meeting them very disrespectfully. Sometimes they put them on the cross. Sometimes they burn them alive. They took the skin off the body of one saint. The people cry, Oh God, send us some man to save us. God said, Well, I have sent you many men to save you, but how have you treated them? They came to give you a right understanding of the whole show which is that all creation is the manifestation of God, that you are all my children, drops of the ocean of all consciousness, that I am your controlling power. You live in me and I live in you, but you have forgotten. To forget is delusion, or what is called maya. If you go to somebody whose eye is open, even if you speak ill of him, he still tries to bring you out of the abyss of ignorance. If he gives you something, you should develop it. When you see inside, your whole angle of vision will be changed. Even outside, you will see that it is all the manifestation of God. It is so. And when we meet a master, we begin to see that it is all his manifestation. So the first principle of devotion or bhakti is to know that God is everywhere.
We are living in him and he is in us. If this right understanding comes in, then naturally right thoughts will follow. With right thoughts, there will be right speech, and with right speech, you will have right action. So always pray to God, Oh God, let us come into contact with somebody who is out of this ignorance and who sees that this whole world is the manifestation of Thee. But how many are there like that? They are very rare, very few. God has been sending these persons of right understanding to give you right, to give you right understanding. And how have they been treated? God said, I have sent men to you who have said that they were God, but you have not respected them. I have also sent you those who have said that I am a man like you. It is all God's grace. What do you then say? You say that if he is a man like us, then how can he take us out? These are the aspects of how God sends us men of right understanding and how we treat them. The main principle is to know that God is everywhere. It is a fact, and we have to develop to open that eye to see that it is so. That eye is opened only when you meet with somebody who opens it within you. It is called the third eye or the single eye you will begin to see that it is all the manifestation of God. There is no evil in the world. If it appears to be evil, it is due to the smoky or colored glasses that you are wearing on your heart or mind. You will find that if you think in the way that I have just told you, then naturally you will have respect and love for all, even for your enemies. They might think otherwise of you, but if you have thrashed out every evil thought within you for everybody, you will see with that angle of vision, which the Master gives you, that it is all the manifestation of God. Then naturally everybody will be beautiful. You will see this beauty even in your enemy. A perverted view is only on account of smoky glasses. Whatever comes into our lives, sometimes good, sometimes not to our taste, is all due as a reaction of our past karma. What you have sown, you will have to reap. It is no fault of God, it is our own fault. What we have sown, we must reap. If you sow one pepper seed, it will grow into a plant that will give hundreds of peppers. If you sow one mango seed, a tree will grow that will give you hundreds of mangoes. So if you cast out all evil from your mind by having the right understanding, then all will be beautiful. Whatever else comes, either it is a reaction of our past or it comes from above. We should meet all that happens to us with an open mind, happily. Sometimes it so happens that something comes in our way which we think not good, but that very thing which appears before us is a remedy to set us right so that we may have something higher. Man learns swimming in water, not on dry land. When you develop that angle of vision, you will have opened your eye to see things in the proper light. You will see that everything is the manifestation of God. Then you will be strengthened. This principle which I have placed before you is a fact. It is not man-made. 
I gave one or two illustrations from the life of Guru Nanak. Once when he was weighing out some wheat or corn, he was so absorbed in God that he saw him everywhere. So when you think that I am not the doer, you become the conscious co-worker of the divine plan. How can you say that it is you who are doing this or that? You should say that he is doing it, not you. You are a mere puppet in his hands. When you have that angle of vision, you will, like Guru Nanak, say, I am thine. It is thou, not I. You will be so much engrossed and absorbed that you will forget yourself. So Guru Nanak was weighing out wheat, and when he came to the word terra, meaning both thirteen and thine, he became intoxicated and began repeating, I am thine, I am thine. The tenth guru, when talking about God, said, The whole world is yours. All rivers and mountains are yours. It is you who are manifesting in all of them. He was so much absorbed that he was in a state of intoxication for hours at a time. So this is the basic principle, to know that God is everywhere. We are in him and he is in us. We are the drops of the ocean of all consciousness. This is the right understanding. When you get that, you will have right thoughts. Right thoughts will give you right speech, and right speech will give you right action. It is all God's manifestation. He is the very life of our lives. On this basic ground, the very superstructure of bhakti is raised. When a child of five is sitting by us, we do not dare to do anything wrong. If we know that God is watching our every action, our very trend of thought, how can we do anything wrong? So today's subject is what the principles are of bhakti or devotion. First and foremost, it is to know that God is everywhere, to know that it is all his manifestation. He is the controlling power, and we are a drop of the ocean of him. We are living and having our being in him. All other principles follow of themselves. If anything comes that is not according to our taste, that is a reaction of what we have done in the past. That is due to the smoky or colored glasses that we are wearing. The truth remains that it is all the manifestation of God. If through some master's grace, the God in him, right understanding comes to you, you will see that it is so. The whole world is in the ignorance of illusion or maya. You have to rise above body consciousness to open your inner eye and see for yourself. For that purpose, you have been given some capital to start with. If you live by these principles, you will reap the full fruit of your bhakti. You will see God within you. All our penances and right living ultimately result in what? To know God. Remain where you are. You are not to change your outer forms and rituals or symbols of whatever school of thought you belong to, not the least. You have to love God. The whole world is a manifestation of love. We are all brothers and sisters in God. The same controlling power is keeping us in the body. So this is the sum and substance of bhakti, 
the basic principle of devotion or love. Bhagat, the devotee, rises into Bhagavant, God. If we have got love for God, we will feel joyful in serving others. In this way, you will go into rapture, blissful rapture. Just like a loving mother who washes her child that has become besmeared with filth and then hugs it to her breast, so should we hate the sin but love the sinner. That follows naturally. So the main and basic principle of bhakti is to know that we are in him and he is in us. There is no place where he is not. He is here, within me, outside, everywhere. Only your inner eye, the single or third eye, has not opened as yet. A man whose eye is opened will give you some demonstration of it. If you follow his instructions accurately, you will one day see for yourself. In honor of the fact that Thanksgiving is coming up this week, I want to read a section from Master Kripal's Thanksgiving talk that he gave in Anaheim on Thanksgiving Day 1972. Uh, Not the whole talk, but a good part of it. He says, This is Thanksgiving Day for all. Each one of us personally should stand up and thank him, you see. Not only this moment, but throughout the day, every day, every moment of life. He has given us the human body. That is the greatest reason for Thanksgiving Day because there are hundreds of other bodies in which we can do nothing. Human body is the golden opportunity which has been afforded us in which we can go back home. Is it not the greatest Thanksgiving Day? Guru Arjan says that we should be giving thanks every moment of life. When you eat, thank God. When you have got a home to live in, thank God. Compare with others who are on the roadsides. If you are rich, thank God. Just compare with others who cannot afford to have a morsel of food. When you are hungry, thank God. When you have got good things to think of throughout your future life or about God, thank God. There are many others who do not believe in him. So how Thanksgiving Day started, that is the history before us. But that's not the only thing you see. Be thankful every moment. Kabir says every breath we take, we should thank him. Every breath of life is worth three planes of the whole universe, the macrocosm. So we must give thanks, you see. Once the earth was asked, in a parable way, you see, You have got mountains, you have got rivers, you have got trees, you have got animals, you have got human beings, so many burdens on you. How can you bear it? And the earth replied, that is no burden to me. They asked him, well, what is it that is burdensome to you? He said, well, when anyone who is ungrateful walks on me, I cannot bear the burden." We should be thankful to God for everything we have been given and at every moment, not only on this day. That is just a historical event. It is good they had some land to live on and had their crops. You know, every day crops are going on. Have they stopped? 
they are more magnificent than before. So we should be more thankful. And the greatest thing for which we should be thankful is that he has given us the human body in which we can go back home. So for every work we do, for anything we live in, drink, associate with, we should thank God. We should be always thanking him. Man can be thankful when? When he is conscious of a higher power working. Are you conscious? Then your thanks should go to him. Otherwise, you should give thanks to him that you have been put on the way. You have got something to start with, some power to look after you, to finish off your give and take and wind up all your karmas by bringing you into contact with the God into expression power. There are many things to thank him for, not just the crops at the time they found land. Have more thanks now. There are hundreds of crops growing, fruit trees growing, other things, so many things. We should be more thankful from day to day. So here somebody has left something for me. And at this point, Master read a note. And then he says, what can you people give to me? Give thanks to God, not to me. If I have come to you, it is his grace. Praise should go to him. If you think you have got a little good from me, that is through the grace of God. And if you still want to give me some thanks, not forgetting God, then I think that thanks can be acceptable if you simply live up to the commandments. That's all. That is the most thanksgiving. Then it is you who are benefiting by living up to the commandments. Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Have a chaste life. Have a good moral way of living. Love all. No schism. Where your heart feels something, your mouth speaks something else, your brain thinks something else. That is no thanksgiving. We should be thankful for the rest of whatever days are fixed for us. That is Thanksgiving Day. We should thank God for everything. Now you have been put on the way. How will you give more thanks? By living up to it or by leaving off? So it is very kind of you, referring to the note, but all these thanks go to him. On my 75th birthday, there was a diamond jubilee. Men of all religions of India and also men from outside India were there, and they spoke very highly, of course. When a man is in a lecture room, he gives tall talks. You may be do all that or may not be do all that. So they all gave lectures, high comments. When I stood up, I told them, well, dear friends, you have been hearing all these talks from these different friends of mine. Truly speaking, I am not worthy of all that they have said. I have been passing on all these things to my master. You see, it was his grace. So it is all the grace of God or the master through whom you got this way. So from this day onward, be grateful for everything. You have got something, maybe not 100%. Maybe 1% you have got it. But what do you do? For one thing which we have not got, we forget to be thankful for all the other things which we have. Is it not? Go and ask anybody, oh, this thing I have not got. But what about the others which we have? 
the sheep which bleats, the more morsels go out of its mouth. Be thankful for what you have got and expect more. When you are not thankful for what you have got, for one thing only you are ungrateful to God, always complaining, God has not given me this thing, God has not given me that thing. Does it include Thanksgiving Day? Tell me. So whatever we get as a reaction of our past, be thankful. The greatest thing for which to be thankful is that you have got the human body. And further, the greatest day of Thanksgiving is that day when you are put on the way back to God. That is his grace. So we wish peace be unto all the world over, here, there, and everywhere. From this day onward, I think you will try to put in more time to go back home. The sooner you reach there, the better, is it not? Before it gets dark, when you will be able to do nothing, Christ also said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Night comes when? When you leave the body. It is daytime when you are alive, is it not? So we should learn to be thankful to God for everything. Sometimes unwanted things do come up, but they are the reactions of our own doings, you see. We should be thankful we are paying off these things. So I wish I may also be, and you, each one of you, thankful to God for everything we have got. When something is wanting, everybody becomes irked. Nobody is all grateful. He says, this thing is not given. He never thinks of giving thanks to God for what he has got already. If he has got ten things and one thing he has not got, all he can say is, I have not got this thing. This is Thanksgiving Day. The greatest lesson you have learned is to be thankful for what you get. It is the best we can hope for. He is our Father. He makes the arrangements to wind up all our actions. To wind up all our actions. Should we not be grateful? that we are paying off all debts in this earthly life and going back home. So this is what I want to say to each one of you. Anyone else want to come up to say thanks? Thanks come from the heart, not from the mouth, mind that. When the heart is thankful, then the same things come up through the mouth. The mouth should only give what is in your heart. He sees our hearts, not the outward expression. So from this day onward, we should learn this lesson of gratefulness, thankfulness. If we have not been doing it in the past, then now we must change, is it not? And at that point, Master put us all in meditation, and then he did make some more remarks after. But I am going to not read those. I want to read a section. This is from a talk that I gave a year later after the talk we just heard from Master on October 14th, 1973, after I got back from India with Master Kripal. And it connects back to the Thanksgiving talk. Now, I do have a vague memory that I may have read this before here, or parts of it, and I always have a very hard time remembering whatever I've done at satsang. 
so please bear with me. If you've heard it before, please don't mind. I don't know how else to put it. Anyway, the darshans were beautiful beyond words. One night, after he had been silent for some time, he leaned forward, this is Master Kripal, and said with great emphasis, I have just one thing to say to you. You are all running a race. Try and finish first. Don't look to see what the other man is doing, whether he is running ahead of you or behind you. Don't look to the left or the right. Just have the ruling passion to finish first. The ruling passion. He said that on several occasions. And thinking about it, I realized that so much of our energy goes into looking at what the other man is doing one way or another. If we think he's ahead of us, we get jealous. If we think he's behind us, we get critical. If he's doing something we don't like, we worry and worry and worry. But all we have to do is aim for that finish line and go there. And it's so clear that this is what Master wants from us. All he wants is for us to head for that finish line and get there. And we're not racing against anybody. We're not racing against ourselves either. We're just racing to get there as fast as we can. If everyone finished at the same time, that would please him the most. He doesn't care who finishes ahead of who. He just wants each one to go as fast as he can and get there and get there. He talked about gratitude, too. He went over some of the points in the Thanksgiving talk that he gave in Anaheim last November. He said to us, be grateful. The earth was once asked, how do you bear this tremendous burden of everything standing on you? And the earth replied that the only thing that's hard for me to bear is an ungrateful man. He said, if a man has ten things that he wants and there's an eleventh thing that he does not have that he wants, he'll forget all about the ten things that he has and worry about the eleventh thing that he doesn't have. That struck home. Many things that he said like that really struck home to me, and I thought, this is what I do. And I would pray, please, Pastor, Make it so that I'm not that way, so that I am grateful. And I would realize how much of our experience with the Master is tied up with what we want from him in a personal, demanding way. We want him to notice us, to call us by name, to recognize us. I want that too. But this time I realized, who am I to want these things? This is the Master. This is the incarnation of God sitting here in front of me, and I want him to notice me. At some of the most beautiful charged-up darshans of all, he hardly looked at me once the whole time. But he didn't need to, because, I realized, he's always looking at us. He's always aware of us, and he's always giving. When he looks us in the eyes, that's a special thing. But if we're open to receive it, we're getting it all the time. He said that in connection with people over here. He quoted Kabir as saying that if a man lives beyond seven oceans, and he said America is beyond seven oceans, is it not? Beyond all oceans, and directs his attention this way, then he'll get it. And he will. 
It's a matter of whether we let him or not. One of the last things he said to me as I was saying goodbye was, if you let me, I'll go all along with you. If you let me, I'll go all along with you. It's up to us. And I see very clearly that we have problems, sometimes connected with our own selves and sometimes with others, problems so huge that we just can't see our way out of them. And the answer is simply to accept the love that the Master wants to give us. He wants to give it to us. It's pouring out from him, literally. Sometimes you can almost see it coming from him in huge waves. And this is why, you see, the Master gives essentially the same talk over and over again and explains things in the same simple, basic way. Even at the darshan sometimes, he would give almost a standard talk. With such love, he would tell it, glancing deep into our eyes. And he would so sweetly say those things we've heard him say over and over. God is love. Soul is of the same essence as that of God, and so on. The point is that these teachings represent the answer to all our problems when we apply them. But the trouble is that we give assent to them with one part of our being, but not with all our being. So when we do apply them, when we do master the favor, you might say, of taking him seriously about surrender and really doing what he says, then these huge engulfing problems clear up. Their strength is given to them by our attention. Of course, he always says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I think it's important that the love me comes first. If we love him, we can keep his commandments. To try to keep his commandments without loving him, that's a hard thing. Sometimes you hear people talking about the commandments in terms of repression and strain and this and that. Well, it's not like that. To talk about it that way is like talking about playing left field in a basketball game. It has nothing to do with what Master wants. We love him. Because we love him, we find great pleasure in doing what he asks. It's the thing that gives us the most sweetness. At some of the darshans, we had to wait a long time for the master to come because he's still so terribly busy, working 18 hours a day. But I loved the waiting because I realized that I would rather be waiting for the master than any other thing except being with the master. Once, after especially long wait, he came in and said so sweetly, I have kept you people waiting a long time today. But waiting has its own bliss, does it not? its own sweet bliss, because when you're waiting for someone, you are sitting in sweet expectation of the one for whom you are waiting. Is it not? When those darshans were over, I would leave and go back to my room, and I'd feel so unbelievably happy it was like my whole body was singing. I'd try to walk, but it would be like I was bouncing and floating both at once. The happiness seemed to stretch my whole insides tight, there was so much of it. Someone asked him about worrying about results during meditation. He said, you plant a seed in the ground, then every day you dig it up to see how it's doing. What happens? Master went away for a couple of days while I was there. That was a hard thing, the hardest thing the whole time. 
For ten days, the darshan seemed to have been getting better and better each time. Each one seemed more beautiful and powerful than the one before it. Just walking over to Master's house was heavenly. And I knew in my heart that it couldn't keep on like this. The pattern was going to break. There was no outward indication of it, though, and while we had heard at the beginning of the week that Master was going to go to Derudun without us, nothing more was said, and his presence was so overwhelming that the idea of his leaving was unthinkable, and the next morning he was gone. You know, I almost went insane. I had really been feeding on him. I was being sustained by his presence. I would wake up in the morning and think, well, in just a few minutes I'll see him. And during the day I would think, pretty soon I'll be seeing him. And now he was gone. And my mind felt like it had been put in a cage three times too small for it. And the thought was pounding. I must go to him. I must. I must. I was all set to take a taxi and follow him on my own. But I didn't. And later I realized that this was a very important thing that it was absolutely necessary for separation to occur at that point. And eventually I grew to thank him for that as well as for all the other gifts. Separation is also a gift. Believe me, we cannot spend more time in his company than we can assimilate. One evening someone asked Master if he would speak on prayer. The Master looked at him with the funniest look and said, Have you read the book, Prayer? And the man said, Indeed I have, sir. Master looked round at all of us. His eyes were twinkling like anything. And he said, Go read it again. Then he talked about prayer, how those prayers are successful when your heart, mind, and tongue all agree. He said that generally they don't agree. He said we take the Master's words and we modify them with what we want to put in. And that's where we get into trouble. That's what we do. I have observed in my own life and also in others that we cut off that part of the Master's teaching that cuts too close to the bone. We don't want to hear it. It's natural, but if we want to find God, it's like the story told by Baba Salan Singh of the man who was bringing a horse to drink water from a well with a Persian wheel. And there was a jat, a peasant, running the Persian wheel, and it was making a creaking noise, which the horse didn't like. So when the horse came near to drink, he shied away from the noise. So the soldier asked the peasant to stop running the wheel. But when he did that, there wasn't any water. So the horse came up, and there was no water to drink. So the soldier asked the jat to run the wheel again, and as soon as he did, the horse shied back. This happened a few times, and finally the jat said, Well, officer... You'll just have to whip him and make him do it, and when he starts drinking, he'll forget about the creaking. There's no alternative sometimes. We have to realize that the very fear which keeps us from doing what the Master says 100% is the cause of all our problems. We complain, well, I am in this kind of misery, I am in that kind of misery, and we think the path may not be good for us because of the high standards it sets, etc., but the cause of our misery is our holding back. The solution lies in accepting wholeheartedly that which we really want in our deepest self, or we would not have taken the initiation to begin with,
and doing it. Again, it must be done out of love for him. Sometimes people say that they can't love him. They haven't spent enough time with him, etc. Well, I know this for a fact, that while it's easier to love Master when you're with him, and the more you're with him, the easier it gets, love for the Master is not withheld from anybody who really wants it. If we want it, we can have it. It's as simple as that. As his children, that's our right. If we ask for it, we will have it, and that in itself will enable us to do everything else. It is a path of love, and his love for us is indeed infinite. I say that not only from my experience, but also from the experience of others who have been with him. One night I just thanked him for being here. He said, why? Why not thank the tailor? If a coat fits well, will you not thank the tailor? He said to us once, you people in the West, you have two days a week off. Is that not true? Two days a week? Yes, Master. He said, why not use them for meditation? Then he looked at us and said, well, perhaps only one day. Because this is a strong and serious business, you know. The opportunity is given to us to find God. We put everything else first. We think that because two hours a day is the minimum, that's all we have to put in. We think if we put in more, we're being ascetic. But if we don't, well, we don't do it in an ascetic way. That's the point. If we love somebody, we think of their pleasure, we do things that will please them, and that makes us happy. That's where our pleasure lies. If our pleasure lies in having them please us, then everyone knows that's not love. So if we love him, we will do what makes him happy, because really, that makes us happy. It's a very beautiful, very sweet thing, which has its roots in the fact that it is first he who loves us. Our love is reciprocal. The two days that Master was gone were very sobering. I put a lot of time in meditation, and of course, as the weekend went on, each passing hour brought his return closer, and that made it easier. And on Monday morning, I was really happy again. First, we heard he would be there about noon, then two o'clock, then four o'clock, then six o'clock. Now, during those two days that he was gone, ten new people arrived, including one couple with two children whom I love very much from our satsang. And this first day, the husband was feeling a little sick to his stomach, probably from the water, which tends to make you queasy for a couple of days until you get used to it. So he thought maybe some Coca-Cola would help, and it is a fact that it does help in this kind of digestive disorder. It was quarter to five when I learned this. Now, Master was due back at six, but I had a very healthy intuition that he was coming sooner. And I was over at his house on the porch, waiting for him with my whole heart, and looking forward to seeing him so much I can't tell you. And I thought, well, if that man had a Coke, it would help him, and I'd sure like to see him have it. So I asked around, but there was none available, or so it seemed. I would have to leave the ashram and go to a store and buy one. But I was afraid to leave the ashram because I knew Master was coming soon, and I'd been waiting two and a half days to see him. I really didn't want to go. Selfless service said to go and get it for him, longing for his darshan, which I wanted so badly, 
said to wait there so I wouldn't miss him, and I debated and thought it over and paced back and forth. Finally, I thought, well, you never lose anything when you give, remembering his words. I thought, I'll get it for him, and I started off. I got all the way out to the main gate by the bridge, and just as I reached there, I heard someone yelling, Maraji, Maraji. I looked up, and there was Master's car coming across the bridge. I jumped back, and as he came around the corner, I was standing there all alone. I had the first darshan of anyone at the whole ashram. When he saw me there, he moved across the back seat and smiled so beautifully and greeted me out of that window. And I just melted inside, you know, because, you see, you never lose anything when you give. See, after a struggle, I took it on face value, and it was right. Not only did I not lose anything, but I gained so much. I ran back to greet him as he got out of the car, and someone turned up with a Coca-Cola for that man. They had heard me asking and gotten one for him. So he got it, and we all had darshan, and everything was perfect. And that is what I would say is the truth of the matter, that everything is perfect. It is we who make the flaws. Even if somebody or some circumstance seems to be wrong, all we have to do is run that race and get to that finish line and leave the rest to him. I had a long talk with him about the work here and the way I sometimes feel. Sometimes it seems like a lot when I forget him and I get a little discouraged. And he said, you forget that you are not alone. There is someone working over your head. Never forget that. And that's true, you know, of each and every one of us. We get into ruts and we forget that we are not alone. Since he said that, I have repeated it sometimes. You are not alone. You are not alone. Because he is there. He is there. Okay. We can have a tape. Yeah. <laughs> And if he does not surrender and follows the masters, then masters just keep quiet and just by keeping quiet, they win. El maestro Samad Singh Ji decía que cuando el jiva o el alma no deja de ser cerca o no deja su forma de ser y no cambia, entonces el maestro más bien permanece en silencio y de esta forma él gana. The masters do not impose anything on the jivas. If the jivas do not want to surrender and, and they don't, if they do not want to follow the masters, the masters just keep quiet. Los maestros no les imponen nada a los jivas, a los jivas. Si los jivas no quieren eh, hacer lo que les piden los maestros, si no, eh, si, si no quieren seguir lo que les dicen en los maestros, si no quieren seguir sus instrucciones, ellos simplemente permanecen en silencio. Even those jivas who after coming to the court of the perfect masters do not give up their stand and those who always try to prove that they are the true ones or they are the right ones, 
they lose a great deal because the masters do not argue with them the masters just keep quiet and those jivas do lose a great deal even after coming to the masters aquellas almas que incluso después de llegar a la corte de dios sin embargo eh, permanecen firmes en lo que ellas creen y permanecen firmes en lo y piensan que están en lo correcto los maestros jamás discuten con las almas pero estas almas eh, sí pierden muchísimo si mantienen esta posición una vez eh, inclusive después de haber llegado a la corte de dios Guru Ram Das Ji Maharaj says that those who want to progress in the spiritual path it is very important for them that whenever master says anything they should always respond by saying that yes whatever you say that is true and they should quietly just follow what the masters tell them to do. El Guru Ram Das Ji dice que aquellas almas que van donde un maestro perfecto si quieren lograr algo ¿Qué deben hacer? Deben, cualquier cosa que diga el maestro, las, estas almas deben decir, sí maestro, eh, se hará lo que tú nos dices. Those who understand and believe in the words of the master as the ultimate truth, the master reveals all the truth, all the glory to him. Y aquellos que comprendan y entiendan que las palabras del Maestro son la verdad última, si captan sus palabras de esta forma, el, el Maestro les muestra la verdad total. Yeah. 
we know that when it is about to rain, first of all the clouds are formed in the sky. Sabemos que antes de llover o cuando está a punto de llover, primero que todo es ya se habrán reunido las nubes en el cielo. And then we hope that now it is going to rain and it will cool down the heat. Y luego tenemos esta esperanza de que va a llover y que va a disminuir el calor. It will make all the vegetation green and the flowers will bloom and it will bring the coolness. Hará que, todo, eh, la, que toda la vegetación eh, se vea más verde, hará que las, eh, las flores florezcan y traerá también la frescura. Igualmente, cuando Dios Todopoderoso va a derramar gracia sobre algunos seres, los envía donde un maestro perfecto. Santo ਅੰਦਰ los santos les dan los medios para ir hacia adentro. And they teach that disciple that how to get in and how to get in the within. Y le enseñan al discípulo cómo ir hacia adentro. And when that disciple follows the path of the master when he goes in the within, the master tells them that how after going in the within he will be able to go into the deep samadhi and then he will recognize that who I am. I am your friend whom you have forgotten and I have come to take you back. Una vez que el discípulo haya ido hacia adentro, allí se encontrará con el maestro quien le indicará qué tiene que hacer para lograr el samadhi profundo. Una vez que haya logrado este samadhi, se dará cuenta y el maestro le dirá, yo soy tu viejo amigo, tú habías estado en el olvido y yo vine a sacarte de ese olvido. Amados míos, aquellos quienes han reconocido al Maestro eh, y esto que ha sido eh, decidido por Dios Todopoderoso que ellos han de reconocer al Maestro, estas almas que hayan reconocido al Maestro, para ellos eh, los océanos no tienen ninguna importancia, no crean distancia entre el Maestro y el discípulo, ni tampoco las montañas los bloquean. Tarde o temprano llegan donde el Maestro, quienes hayan tenido o hayan logrado tener este reconocimiento del Maestro. Jinn <tose> pa 
Such a soul after coming to the feet of the perfect masters give up their cleverness, their wisdom, their, their deceitfulness. Tales almas cuando llegan a los pies del maestro abandonan toda su astucia, el engaño que puedan tener y la forma como puedan ser. Whatever faults they may have in them, one by one they go on giving them up. ਜਿਵੇਂਰੀ just like a sick person when he goes to the doctor he tells the doctor about all his pains and he prays to him to give him the treatment so that his pains may be removed in the same way when such a disciple goes to the perfect master he tells him about all the disease Jesus, with which he is affected, he tells him that I am affected or I am suffering from the lust, anger and the other diseases. Igualmente, cuando un discípulo va donde el Maestro Perfecto le habla acerca de todas las enfermedades que tiene, le dice que es afectado por la lujuria, la avaricia y las demás pasiones. He says the shower grace upon me and remove all these sicknesses and sufferings. Le dice, por favor, derrama tu gracia sobre mí y elimina todas estas enfermedades y dolores. He begs the master to give him the grace and according to his receptivity and according to the way he asks for the master's forgiveness, the master does give him the grace. Le ora al maestro para que derrame su gracia y de acuerdo a su receptividad y de acuerdo a la forma como le haya pedido perdón, entonces derrama su gracia. Fui así y le hablé acerca de los dolores y sufrimientos. We shower your grace upon us 
and you will always remember that you have done this favor to us. We will always remember your grace, and we will always be grateful to you for your grace. Por favor, derrama tu gracia sobre nosotros. Siempre estaremos agradecidos contigo y siempre recordaremos que derramaste tu gracia sobre nosotros. We will always keep you in our eyelashes. We will always keep you in our eyelids. Siempre te capturaremos eh, con nuestras eh, pestañas o te capturaremos en nuestros ojos y te mantendremos siempre por dentro. Let us all go to Sirsa. I am in pangs of separation of the beautiful beloved. Let's go, let's go. This is the Bhajan Chelo Niseo Sirsa on page four. You always remain with the Lord and we suffer pain day and night. Every moment we deaf ones are being washed away in sorrows. We are neither on this shore nor on that shore. Fortunate are those souls that live with you every moment. We have been bearing millions of sufferings by sitting and rubbing our knees. In every conversation we feel pain and the whole world looks barren. Come soon and show your face. I am in pain without your darshan. My hope and wish is not fulfilled and I am sitting outside the boundary crying. Without you, O oh beloved, I am dead while alive. I offer my life to you. O oh beloved Samhain, where did you go? I, the prisoner, am spending my life weeping. I sit and count the stars at night. In the day, I spend my time looking at the road for you. Hundreds of times I dreamed, O oh my Lord, You have forgotten me. Why did you bring me close to you by telling me nice things? Oh, dear Samhain, without you I am dead. Without your darshan I have gone crazy. I cry, oh Samhain, please come out of the curtain now and have conversations of love with me. Your shoes are much better than I. They are always with you. I wander around in hot sand. Please come soon. I am surrounded by death. I am in pain for want of the darshan of my beloved Sawan. Let us all go to Sirsa. I am in pangs of separation of the beautiful beloved. Let's go, let's go. And Sirsa, of course, was the place where Master Sawan Singh had his private house, where he went on occasion, although he spent most of his time at his ashram. And uh, sometimes when he was gone, it was very hard for the disciples who weren't at Sirsa with him. Though Master Kripal wrote this bhajan in a time like that. Uh, it's a bhajan of Master Kripal Singh on page four. Sheloni seyo sirsa nuchaliye Tanga so Chelo ni seyo, 
cielo ni seio. Apsada malika sangarahinde Rat dina asi dukre se hende Apsada malika sangarahinde रात दीना आसी दुकरे से हेंदे हर दुम बाहिरे गाम वीक्ष बाहिंदे हर दुम बाहिरे गाम वीक्ष बाहिंदे Ardiya na pardiya Ardiya na pardiya Chelo ni seyo usir sanu chaliye Tanga so nehiyardiya Chelo ni seyo, chelo ni seyo Pag bhariya, ruha teriya Nal tere jo har dumre hindiya Bhagavariya Hateriya Asamusi batalaka laka sahiya आसमुसीबत लाग लाग सहिया बेत कोटिया गलनिया बेत कोटिया गलनिया चेलोनी से योगसीर सानु चलिए Tanga so nehiyardiya Chelo niseyo Pake gala gala vicha dukra जाग सारा पिया डी से रुकरा पाके गला गाला वीचा दुकरा जाग सारा पिया डी से रुकरा चेतियां Vakavi mukara Chetian vakavi mukara Dukri terehi bin 
در دوکری تیرے دیدار دیا چلو نسے سیر سانو چلیے تنگا سونے دیا چلو نسے چلو نسے پوریاس امیرنا ہوئی بادو بہیر بیت میروئی پوریاس امیرنا ہوئی ہادو بہیر بیت میروئی تین پریتم جوندیا موئی تین پریتم جوندیا موئی جانا تیرے تو بڑ دیا جان تیرے تو باڑیا چلو نسے سیر سانو چلیے تنگا سنے یا چلو نسے چلو نسے کیتے گائیو ہائے ساون پیارے باندی رو رو مار گجرے کیتے گائیو ہائے ساون پیارے باندی رو رو مار گجرے گینا نیارا ٹبیت میٹارے گینا نیارا ٹبیت میٹارے دینا تک تک رہا گجار دیا دین تک تک رہا گجار دیا چلو نسے سیر سانو چلیے تنگا سونے دیا چلو نسے چلو نسے ساؤ ساؤ باری مینو کھاب آیا بھول گائیو مینو ماریا سیا ساؤ ساؤ باری 
Let us all go to Sirsa. I am in pangs of separation of the beautiful beloved. Let's go, let's go. And may God bless us all.